Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 44 of Where They At. My name is Nabate Isles, and uh, before I introduce the luminary that I'm going to be speaking with for another episode, uh, I want to make sure to remind you all to check out past episodes of Where They At on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera, wherever you hear your podcasts to hear past episodes of where they at and hear the, the wonderful Hall of Fame caliber people that I'm honored to speak with, as well as a few creative artists. But now I have the honor to introduce uh, this wonderful individual, very inspirational individual for sure. She was a star at uh, Sweetwater High School where they have named a uh, stadium. They named the stadium after her. That's how prolific she was as an athlete in San Diego and then came up to be a star at UCLA, University of California, Los Angeles. And she was the most decorated American female track and field athlete in the 1990s. The last American woman to win the Olympic gold medal in the 100 meters. And she did it two times in a row, one of four women to do that. Also, uh, she did it back in 1992 in Barcelona and 1996 on US soil in Atlanta, Georgia. And she won also her third gold medal as well in the 4x100 relay that year too in 1996. So she's a five-time Olympian, 88, 92, 96, 2000, 2004, and also eight-time world championship medalist, five-time world indoor championship medalist, 10-time national champion, and two-time Pan American Games champion. She's also a 2011 inductee uh, into the National Track and Field Hall of Fame. She also released her inspirational book, which is a story based on on her life called My Life and Story Stronger. And that came out in 2014. And I mean, just one of the most inspirational athletes from her story. You'll get to know what her story is all about to inspire all of us. It is my pleasure and honor to introduce the one and only Miss Gail Devers. On <laughs> Thank you. Oh my gosh, that makes me sound old. <laughs> well, no, 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 like, not at where all. At you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's well accomplished. Okay. <laughs> yes, indeed. So such an honor to have you on. Definitely. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, yes. And, and the first question I ask uh, a lot of my guests are, you know, where are you at? Let the audience know what you're up to. Yeah. Um, well, I'm raising kids. I've got two girls. <laughs> wow. And uh, so I feel like I'm chasing kids or actually telling kids where to go. But um, <laughs> I do. I have a great partnership with uh, Horizon Therapeutics and also Thorn, um, mm-hmm. which is a supplement company for two different reasons. Uh, Horizon, um, they cater to rare diseases. Mm-hmm. And so my Graves disease is a rare disease. And I always tell people rare means not a lot, but it doesn't mean that we're not as important. Yes. So it's about getting that exposure, letting people know what it is, knowing the signs and the symptoms. And um, for me, the irony of all of that was that, you know, I went through my Graves disease. I always tell people I fought for my life because mm-hmm. my life was track and field and I wanted to get back to running. And so any effects that I was having, I basically thought it was residuals of, you know, um, from my Graves disease, you know, I was still having problems with my eyes, um, eye pain. I, I mean, I always tell people I'm never without eye drops because wow. <laughs> um, they're constantly red. Um, just different things. It's hard to drive at nighttime because the oncoming traffic, the lights of the oncoming cars bother me. Mm-hmm. And so I just assumed that, you know what, you just got to deal with that, Gail. And it wasn't until very recently that I found out that I have something called thyroid eye disease, which is related to my Graves disease, but it's oh. separate and it needs a separate doctor. So I have to, I actually have a, uh, 
um, oculoplastic surgeon, or you can have a uh, neuro ophthalmologist to mm -hmm. diagnose it and treat that. So I'm like, after 30 years, I'm still dealing with stuff, but it's, you know, which is why I'm so thankful to Horizon that we're able to collaborate together to get the word out, to let people know, pay attention to your eye health and, and get your life back on track. And then with uh, Thorn, um, people always laugh because they're like, do you take, I'm like, I never took vitamins when I competed. And they're like, why? Mm. I said, because I was that person that I'm like, nothing's ever going to come up. I'm not the one. And, you know, you yes. saw stories of trace elements coming in this. And I'm like, I just, I, yes. I just didn't want to take a chance. You know, right. like I said, I fought for my life mm -hmm. and, you know, the beta blocker, which is what they would give you for your grade. I didn't even take that because I didn't want, you know, it was on the band list, so I can't take it. And it wouldn't make sense to fight for my life, to come back and, and to have that taken away. So, um, I didn't take supplements. And then, you know, as I get older, I keep saying, you know, I'm, I, I'm everybody's going to age, but I want to age healthy, mm -hmm. you know? So it was, a, uh, looking into my family history and trying to figure out, you know, what's in my history that I can control, you know, that maybe aunts and uncles or grandparents or something like that had to deal with that. Maybe they didn't know. And when you know better, you're supposed to do better. So I keep telling people I've got to age healthy. So in doing that, I want to start taking things that's going to help me, you know, with my grave disease, I know certain things are at risk with that. So I just, you know, um, came recommended from a friend of mine um, who used to compete at UCLA too. And he was like, you need to check into Thorne. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty skeptical about stuff. You know, <laughs> I should have been born in, uh, and lived in St. Louis to show me state. Cause I'm like, ah, but, um, I was actually impressed when I went on the website because it's a wealth of information that they have. I'm like, don't just tell me, show me, prove to me. And it was, it was a lot of knowledge that I loved. And so I started taking it and I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. I can actually, you know, I'm not peeing it out. Like I always assume everybody. So it's absorbing into my, my body. So, mm -hmm. and I do feel better, you know, certain things I always tell people, the one thing that got me is that, you know, like soda, anything with citrus, um, certain like nightshade vegetables, I could not eat because I would immediately break out. And mm -hmm. I always tell people, oh my gosh, look at my face. I had grapefruit yesterday, you know, <laughs> and that for me is a big, I mean, I've not had orange juice in probably 30 something years. Wow. And, yeah. um, I just stopped I, recently. I'm like, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. and it's because the acidity of all of that stuff would break me out. I mean, immediately tomatoes. Mm -hmm. And I've had like, oh my gosh, it's, it's been amazing. I was like, oh my gosh, my face is not breaking out. So I was sold on that. And then, you know, I always tell people my, my, I won gold medals, but my kids are platinum. And if I put my family on something, then you've got me and yes. I'm, I'm, I'm sold. So that's, you know, basically what I'm doing and just letting people know that, you know, there's something out there for everybody, you know, and we want to, my goal this year, I always talk about, I, I'm, they laugh at me because I have sticky notes all the time. Yes, that that's sticky right. Note put person. down your goals. Yes, indeed. I put my goals down. I you sign them. <laughs> and so this year, my goal was to be the best me that I could be or better than the best me. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to touch lives and make a difference. And so with my collaboration with Thorne and with Horizon, that's allowed me to do that. I, I used to say I wanted to be a teacher. Yes. And if I had done mother, it my way, was a teacher. Yes. right, I would have been in a classroom with 25, 30 kids, you know, but doing it this way, I have the world as my classroom and it's up to me what I say and how can I help somebody's quality of life. So 
that's where I am. <laughs> that's wow. where I'm at. <laughs> that's right. Wow. Wow. Here with the great Gail Divas, three-time Olympic gold medalist, National Track and Field Hall of Famer here on the 44th episode of Where They At. My name is Nabate Owl. So, Gail, wow. Now, this COVID-19 pandemic, oh my goodness. Um, I, I know you you were very, because I know you have, a, you have ailments and you have dealt with things. So I know you were very careful for sure with um, what was going on. But this delayed the Olympics one year, you know, and uh, having no outside spectators. And it took a toll on some athletes for sure, right. including Simone Biles, who we'll talk about a little bit later. But how would Gail Devers have dealt with these trying times, you know, especially having to wait a year and having to deal with the alteration in the flow of training and everything? Right. How would you have dealt with it? And how well, did you advise people on how yeah. to deal with it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know what? I always tell athletes that, you know, don't get caught up in the venue. What you're doing is the same thing with gets you there, keeps you there. So what do you do every day? You go out and train. Okay. So we can't go to a trap. We're going to still train. It may be in your garage. It may be at a park, but you're, you're still doing the same thing. And it's that philosophy that you have to, it's almost like mind over matter. You got to figure it out. And if you don't mind, it don't matter. Mm. So it's like trying to, you know, I think athletics is, you know, you've got to have the ability, but you also have to have that mental game because if not, it can destroy you. So I tell, you know, athletes that I mentor that it's might be five rings, but it's the same thing. You're doing the same thing you do every day at practice. And, you know, a year helps some people a year hurt some people, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's uh, trying to, you know, and that's more just trying to keep your mind fresh and, you know, peaking at the right times, making sure that if that, that you're delayed, that you're still going to be ready when it counts. But also, you know, they talked about nobody being in the stands. And I remember in 92, I was training myself to say, okay, there's going to be a hundred thousand people in the stands. I got to tune them out. Mm. I have got to tune them out. When I come to practice, I come to practice and it may be like a 95% day and there's nobody there, but I still got to get it done. Mm -hmm. So when I come to the Olympic games, people are going to be there. I can't let them be a distraction for me because I hear something. I've got to tune it out. So I train to tune people out. So if this had been me, I said, oh, that would have been fine for me because what happens when you get to the, to the track meet anyway, other than Mm -hmm. maybe the jumps, Mm -hmm. they tell everybody, shh. When you get in the blocks, they want you to be quiet, you know, so that the athletes can concentrate and focus. And then they could turn mm-hmm. on music. You know, we go to Europe and we compete. And in Europe, you know, it's quiet for the start. But as soon as the gun goes off, they play music. So yeah, that's the live. You got to hear so, the gun. You got to hear yeah. the gun, too. So you don't right. have a false start. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that lively music could have been, you know, in your head. That's what you know, that's the energy of the fans, the energy of the people that you brought with you. That's going to cheer you on. So um, that's the way I approach it and the way I approach kids doing it. And it's like, you know, whether there are fans or no fans, if they allow the games to go on, this is what I was telling them. You got to remember all the sacrifices that you put into this, that extra year waiting. Are you going to let the fact that there may not be anybody in the stands stop you from what you're doing? No, it's Mm -hmm. always you against the clock. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're putting, you're only as good as your last performance and all the practice that you've put in. And now you got a whole extra year of practice. I always say it's like deposits in the bank. You can't go to the bank and make a withdrawal if you didn't put anything in. Now you put over in abundance, like you just let your money grow, grow, grow because you have that extra Olympic year. So now, oh, hey, when I get to, you know, Tokyo, which should have been their idea, I'm going to pull out the black card. It's time to spin. And that's what it's about. And I think, I, I think we saw that. 
in so many of our athletes because you saw world records. You saw yes. great times. You saw people running. What did she run? Three three events. She ran what? That's around the fifteen hundred, the ten thousand, and the five. Nobody's uh-huh. ever done that. Uh-huh. And she competed well in all three of those events. So these are athletes who said mentally, "I got this, and I got to do it." And then there were others, like you said, that you know we'll talk about that. You know, we've got to as a community band around them to help them get through yes. those difficult times. Yes, yes. And speaking of that, I'm going to ask you about Simone Biles, you know, and uh, the greatest gymnast ever. We all know that. What she went through with her not competing, that was the major story with the Olympics or her not competing, uh, you know, putting her mental health, you know, in the forefront. And, you know, athletes are human. Then that's what she said. And she right. really like uh, trumpeted that for sure. And, uh, you know, and, and the mind could take over regardless of training and, and diligence mm-hmm. and repetition. So what are your thoughts on what Simone did, as well as the backlash that she received for her decision, her, her monumental decision? Right. Well, first of all, I think she needs to be applauded. I give her a round of applause for doing what she did, because if you watched at the trials, I'm a, I'm a big fan now of all sports. I mean, I watch archery and trampoline. I watch everything. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So is great. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So I watch everything. And so leading up to the games, I was watching the trials mm-hmm. and my husband and I had commented that something seemed off mm-hmm. there. If you watch, it just, it wasn't the Simone that we know. And it's like, okay, you know, she'll get it together, hopefully. But when she got to the games and she competed in that, that the, the one, the vault that she was doing, if you watch when she should have been sighting the ground, her eyes were up. And all I thought was, oh my goodness, because I mean, I had a niece who did gymnastics. I know how dangerous that sport can be. And it yes. could be one misstep or one misplant or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you could be paralyzed. So that she was able to land safely, not Mm -hmm. the way everybody thought she should land, but she landed safely, which is what I was hoping for. And she went over to, you know, whoever she went over to and said, I can't. And you saw it in her face. It just looked distraught. Mm -hmm. And what I watched was she sat down on the bench. She talked to, I guess that was their sports psychologist that she was speaking with. And then they left the arena. Mm -hmm. When she came back, I saw a different Simone. She looked relaxed. Mm-hmm. She actually was smiling. Yes. And, and what I take from this is, like you said in the, in, in the preface of this, she is the greatest. She is the GOAT. That's right. not even a question. Mm-hmm. What, I, what I loved about what happened here is that we got to see, or well, I saw it, and I think I've been seeing it all throughout, but the world finally got to see the real Simone. It's yes. not about her accolades. It's yes. not about what she can do or not do on the trampoline, on the ball, on the floor. It's about Simone as a person. Mm-hmm. And you got to see the true, you know, I, I, I always say you get to see the true character of a person That's right. when the chips are down. For That's them. right. That's right. And for her, what I saw, finally, I saw her smile. Mm-hmm. And it was a genuine smile, not a yes. forced smile. It was genuine. Yes. She came back and she asked her teammates, I'll be here, whatever you guys need. Mm hmm. That's right. And if you watch when Jordan was doing, I think she was doing the beam and they Mm -hmm. happened to like 
you know, shoot over to where Simone was. She was actually doing her routine with her, you know, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and that's just, that's her character. That's her character is, is that helping person. You know, she brought and had her to come down to train with her in Texas. That's what we need to know about Simone. She is a giving person. That's she right. is a loving person. She is a loyal and teammate. She's, she's, right. she's all in and she has a beautiful smile. That's what I want to see more. So I've already seen her compete. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I just right. want her to be happy. I just want her to be happy. And I got to see a part of that. So people who, you know, like you said, the backlash, who everybody, you're not going to please everybody. No, that's true. Very. And that's very what true. we have to remember. You cannot please everybody. You got to please yourself. Mm -hmm. You've got to be here. You've got to find, you know, that, that, that comfort mm -hmm. and that solace in whatever I do, the decisions that I make are for the best and I'm going to go with it. And, and and leave it at that. And whether she ever competes again, that Olympic Games for me, I, I, I got to see. And finally, I think the world got to see Simone Biles as a person. Stop looking at athletes as just an athlete. Look at them as the person first. Find somebody's soul. Yes. Look inside and see what they're about and how they touch lives and make a difference in other people's lives. Mm -hmm. Instead of what they can do. We know they're great athletes. They wouldn't be here. They wouldn't be at the Olympic Games if they weren't great athletes in, in their individual events and sports. Yes. I want to see that person. And that's what I got to see. So I, you know, big ups to her. Mm -hmm. She goes on and does whatever it is that she wants to do in life, whether it's on or off, you know, the arena or the, 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 the however you want to say yeah, it for the, them. the apparatus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yes. No doubt. And and for her to win the bronze on the beam, right? Oh, that there, was awesome. That she, you know, I yeah. mean, she's a true athlete, regardless, because she tried even that, you know, even right after that, going into practice, you know, um, trying to get it together and make sure that she was good, and she came back and to come back, and of course, that's 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 like coming back from an injury. If you have a hamstring pull, mm -hmm. coming back from injury, you know, the, the your therapist can say, oh yeah, you're good, you're good, you're good, Gail. But in your head, you're like, oh, my gosh, if I go hard on this curve or if I do this, is it going to pull again? Because you mm -hmm. always have that in the back of your mind. Right. And that's just in practice coming back. And you usually have a buildup before you would get to a meet coming mm -hmm. from an injury, coming from what she did at the Olympic Games in the middle of competition and, mm -hmm. and to come back before competition was over to get back up there to do anything is remarkable. Mm -hmm. And so her her bronze medal is is probably the most, it should be in a separate case by itself because it showed triumph. It showed everything about her that I already knew. And I think the world now understands too. Mental health wasn't really emphasized in the nineties. Like you said, athletes were just seen as people on a pillar and that's it, not even human beings. And right. when you were competing in the nineties, you know, especially what you were going through physically right. to, 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 to be able to excel at the highest level, how was the emphasis on mental health within the track and field circle? Was it taken seriously? I don't think, like you said, I don't think it probably not even that term that anyone ever used mm -hmm. um, because I, I can take you back to my Graves disease. You know, mm -hmm. I lost a significant amount of weight. I was, you know, under 80 pounds. I was like 79, one scale said 79, one scale, scale said 80. Um, I had lost all my, I mean, I cut it now, but I had lost all my hair. My nails wouldn't grow. Mm -hmm. And yet 
this is two and a half year journey I was on trying to find answers because I was pulling my hamstrings. You know, I had migraine headaches. My eyes were bulging out. I had a goiter and I couldn't find answers. And I was just going from doctor to doctor to doctor. And they're telling me, hey, Gail, no, there's nothing wrong. You know, uh, maybe you trained too many times. Maybe you tried to peak too much. Wow. And I'm like, no, that's not it. I'm and very it detailed. In Seoul. Seoul, South Korea. That's where it started to yes. really manifest. Right. right. And, you know, I tell people I'm very detailed in what I do. And mm. so for you to tell me that, no, but if you rely on your, you know, as an athlete, you rely on your body and your body lets you down. You go to the medical profession to get help and they're telling you that there's nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. I started, I had scaliness on my face. I had what looked like vitiligo, like light spots on my face and my hands. And you're still telling me that there's nothing wrong. So it got to the point where I couldn't stand looking at myself in the mirror. I mm -hmm. covered my blinds or my, uh, actually my mirrors in my house with like sheets so that I wouldn't have to look at myself or the reflection that was looking back at me. And I started to feel like I was crazy. I was in a very dark spot. I was in like, if this is the status of my life and I thought I had set realistic goals, mm. what's going on? What do I do? Mm. You know, I'm not getting any answers. I know something's wrong with me and you, you're not helping me. So if you talk about mental health, I guess if we were to put a name to that, I was in, you know, depression. I was in a bad spot too. I didn't come out of my house because every time I walked out of my house, somebody would say, oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? I didn't have any answers. So you get tired of people asking you that. So you stay in the house. This is two and a half years that I'm going. I mean, I wish I could have written down how many doctors I went through because I was just going through my provider book. Mm -hmm. saying, okay, this name sounds interesting. Let me go to him or her so they can tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about. They make you feel crazy. I felt like I was crazy, like mm -hmm. I was losing my mind, that I was making all of this up. And so my resolve, what helped me was I remember, you know, when you get up in the morning to brush your face, brush your teeth or wash your face and that skeletal person that I saw mm -hmm. was not Gail Deaver's. And I remember writing on my sticky note, I just want to catch up to Gail. I've mm. lost sight of her. I got to catch up to her. And I just remember, I said, you know what? I might be making up the way I feel, but I'm not making up the way I look. And yes. a couple of weeks ago, I did not look like her. That's not me. Something's wrong. My eyes are bulging out. This is not me. Where did that come from? And it, that's what that for me was my pick me up. That was my saving grace that I was like, no, I'm not crazy. And I'm not going to let anybody make me think that I'm crazy. There is something truly wrong with me. And I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to get an answer. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's what brought me out of it. But it was still two and a half years later that I actually found an answer. But you talk about mental illness. Mental illness is real, no matter what you call it. it if is. you're depressed for a period of time, you know, what caused that depression? We got to get to the root of that. And I think, you know, when you're at that state, mm -hmm. bad things can happen. Yes. I just want people to hold on. You know, I think in track and field, as an athlete, in general, just as a person, we as a community have to band together and we've got to find that. It's one thing, you know, you can have on the clinical side to have someone to talk to, but does everybody open up to that person? Mm -hmm. I even talk about just in track and field that I think we need to have it. Even the mentors of those who are maybe not competing anymore, but have been there, done that. 
and have a panel, almost like what you're doing, a panel of everybody that you just talk about it. Because usually if somebody's going through something, somebody's already gone through it or something close. And if they're willing to share their experiences, when you're in a dark spot, you just don't want to, you don't want to feel like you're alone. And at that point, you do feel like nobody understands. I'm doing this by myself. I can tell you, I felt like I was in a box and somebody was throwing dirt in the box. Then they closed the box and they sat on it and they invited people to come sit on it also so that I couldn't get out. And then eventually, if you stay in there long enough, you don't want to come out. And there's a lot of people that feel like this from going through COVID, from the uncertainty of not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring, what's going to happen with their kids, what's going to happen with their job, what's going to happen financially. You know, so you have not just athletes, everybody. This Mm -hmm. last couple of years, we've been living under a cloud of uncertainty and not knowing. And so we have to band together to help people because if we don't, and all you need them to do is hold on. Yes. Hold on. You can get to the point where you feel like you're on a cliff and your hands are are slipping. I just need one finger. I just need you to hold on with that one finger and help is coming. And that's what we've got to do for each other so that people understand and we can get you through that bad spot so that you don't do something that, you know, either takes your own life, hurts or harms yourself or somebody else. That's, that's wow. That's real. That's real. I mean, um, and, and, and that's, and that's the thing. It's like, um, the communication and that's, what's needed. Cause the more communi- we would have, we would be in a better society right now. If we just had communication, open communication yeah. with each other, when something bothers you or when something makes, uh, makes you feel inspired or something like that, right. you know, that's, that's key. Wow. Here with the great Gail Devers, uh, three-time Olympic gold medalist, uh, national track and field um, Hall of Famer, and the last American woman to win the gold medal 100 meters. It's been, oh my goodness, uh, 20, yeah, it's been 25 years yeah. since that has happened. So we, <laughs> we need to get some more U.S. Uh, power because these Jamaica, Jamaicans taking over. What you going to tell us? That's okay. About? We got it. We're we, we going to get there. You know what? I always say everything happens in its time. Mm-hmm. And right now it's their time. Yep. It's their time. But, you know, if you if you look back at, you know, 1928, we won the first one. You know, we had mm-hmm. it. That was us. And you look through history, then it got to a period of where other, uh, like the Europeans were, were dominated. But what that did for us was it inspired us to work hard, to come That's back. Right. Now right. you you look, the Jamaicans are, are, are running very well in all events, and that's going to inspire our, our young athletes. What I love now is that we have a lot of young athletes who have mm-hmm. what I call beast mode. They don't uh, care. They're right. like, if you're still running, I'm ready to retire you while I'm doing what I'm doing. And so I, mm-hmm. I love that aspect of it. And I and I, I just know, I don't think I know that our time will come and we will reign supreme again. Ooh, no doubt about that. And we're going to go go to your, your early life, you know, like, I mean, oh, <laughs> what great, great parents. I mean, your father, Larry Devers, he was in the military and he was a Baptist minister, too. Um, And your mom, uh, Alabe, did I pronounce that right? Alabe? Alabe. Alabe. Oh, Alabe. Oh, Alabe. Yes, yeah, like Alabe. A- 
A-L-A-V-E. Oh, okay. I misspelled it. Okay. I'm sorry about that. Okay, everybody right thinks on. it's a V. It's a V. It's okay. So it's Al-A-V. Al-A-V. Don't Al-A-V. ask me where she got that name from. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, that's a lovely name for sure. And she attended UCLA where you ended up going later on. And she was a teacher too. So now how, how did they provide that foundation for you towards excellence? And, and I'm sure faith played a big part in it. It did. I mean, that was, like you said, my dad was a minister. Uh, My mom taught, you know, elementary school. And so um, it was just them teaching us, you know, like I said, that base and that foundation of your best friend is God. You know, we don't question things that happen. Everything happens for a reason. So even with my illness, I didn't question why it happened. I just said, I've got to, you know, figure out what to do to get myself back. Mm. And, um, you know, grew up in the church, mm-hmm. uh, I served on the usher board. I sang in the choir, you know, all the things <laughs> that you do, you're at church like every day. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but that was that foundation that I think that I needed because when I was going through things, I knew, you know, m- one of my, um, my favorite poem is, is footprints in the sand. Mm. And um, where it talks about, you know, every day walking on the uh, walking along the beach with the Lord and you see two sets of footprints in the sand and at the their lowest point of this person's life, they question God saying, why at my lowest point would you leave me? Because it's during those times, you know, that's when I needed you most. And God's reply to them was, it's during the lowest times of your life when you only saw one set of footprints in the sand. That's when I was carrying you. And um I looked at that for me as that was my life, you know, at my lowest times, I know he's got me, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, I, I used to play this game, you know, you say fall back. I'm like, ah, I'm not falling back into my, any of my friends or relatives. Cause you guys gonna let me fall. God's got me for real. And knowing that with my faith, I was able to fall back and let go and let God. And your older brother, Prometheus, you know, who ended up becoming a bodybuilder, he made sure he got you involved, involved in athletics and building your competitive nature, right? <laughs> yeah, he was that one. He, um, he always, I always tell people that he was, as he says, he was my first coach because uh, when we were growing up, when he had like the two bikes and he was like, ah, oh, well, when my godbrother used to come over, he's like, well, we can't tell her that she can't go with us because then she'll tell my mom. Mm-hmm. So they used to take the bikes and like, okay, and thought that that would deter me. I jogged, I got to the, I got to the park still, you know, and they were like, we knew that, you know, then we lived in these apartments at one point and he's like the playground is in the middle of the apartments. Mm-hmm. He tell me to run over this, hop up, this, go up the slide, run down, hop over the little horses and me like a little dummy did it. And then he was like, see, I was training you for the hurdles. I was training you for the speed work. And so um, mm-hmm. that's kind of how we always say. And I said, he was probably like the Don King of track and field. He was making money and didn't <laughs> give me any of it. But, you know, <laughs> I'm sure he was setting up match races because he had me racing like <laughs> did, all the girls, all the guys. And did so, he give you a blank? Did he give you a blank piece of paper? Have you he signed gave me it? Nothing. And then, he, and then, he filled out, then he filled out the rest of it. Exactly. <laughs> he didn't even tell me he was making money, but I know him. He was making something. So, <laughs> but yeah. Whoa, whoa. That's amazing. Wow. And, and, and now, you know, what was the moment that made you realize that you want to do this track and field? Like, cause it was later in your childhood. It was, I didn't start running until I was 15, my sophomore That's year in high school. Deep. And it was wow. because of my brother. Parenthesis mm-hmm. was like, okay, you're going to run. I'm like, no, I'm not, you know? Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh yes, you are. I was at person that was like, I was about school. Like I'd never missed a day of school from kindergarten to 12th grade. And so I was about school. I love to read. And um, he was like, nope, you're, you're running. And he drug me out and made me start cross country. 
Mm, and so okay. I ran cross country my sophomore year when I was 15. And then that led into track season. And so I started off with the 800 in track when, when track season started off, yeah, just yeah. because I was like, well, I don't want to run two miles on the track, you know? Mm. So I ran the 800. I ended up running like 211 and had the record in San Diego. And then I, each year somebody would suggest a different event. So I went, you know, from that to the 400, got to the hundred. I was like, I think I'm going to stay right here, mm-hmm. <laughs> short and quick. So, and that's, that's kind of how I got started. And then I went over to UCLA and kept running seven, eight events per meet, just because it, mm. you know, I always tell people it didn't bother me because I warmed up one time and I was good. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I, I think I've, I've been fortunate and blessed in my career to have had the longevity that I had. You know, I always tell people I was, I felt like I was like the grandmother of the sport because I ran so long, you know, my last race, I was 40, but, um, I, I, if I had my life to live over, I'd ask for everything that I've gone through from races to injuries to illness, because it's made me into the person that I am. And I kind of like me. (laughs) Yes, yes, indeed. And you, and, and, and and we all like you and you all, you, you you provided that inspiration for us and, and reflect on, you know, the legendary track and field coach, Mr. Well, Bob Kersey, but you call him Bobby, you know, Bobby. Yeah, that's Bobby. Yeah. And fellow national track and field hall of fame and Jackie Jonah Kersey is his wife. And, and you and Jackie ran together in the four by 100 UCLA. And four by one, actually she handed off to me. So yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, uh, competing in the hurdles. I remember um, she was out by this time. She was out of college at 88. Mm-hmm. She was out of that. She had, you know, left. That was after her senior year. Mm-hmm. And we were still running the same event. So it was interesting. I remember that I was running hurdles. She was running hurdles, but we didn't go to the same meets. Right. So I had gone to a meet, I think in Modesto or something like that. And right. I had broken, I think the record at that time was like 1284. And mm-hmm. I ended up breaking the record and ran like, uh, 79 my prelims and then finals came back in 71 mm-hmm. and um bobby i called bobby and he was like how'd it go and i said well you know i broke the american record i said did jackie run and he's like yeah he's like uh no he said she's running the next day uh-huh. and so the next day she ran and i called to find out how it did how she did and she broke my record by one so she ran like 1270 she oh, said one hundred, one hundred. so you don't have the american record anymore but um now jackie has it and then like maybe a couple weeks later, I ran and uh, I ran and ran 1261 and broke the record again. So I broke her record. Wow. And then she ran and I asked Bobby, how did she do? And he said, well, you still have the record, but now you're tied. You and Jackie co-hold the American record. And we uh, both held that record until um, I came back from my injuries and illness and stuff mm-hmm. and came back and broke it in 91. So yes. it's um, I always tell people we were great friends. And, but when the gun went off, mm-hmm. that's right. That's right. You know, it was, this is my job. This is our business. Friends is but when friends, it's done, business is business. Jackie and I can go shopping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. And Gail, like he got you involved in a myriad of events to help your versatility, yeah. you know, right. with doing the hurdles and the dashes and everything. Right. You know? Yeah. And it, you know, people always laugh. I, I tell people, they were like, well, you were, you were, you're just a hurdler. And I'm like, yeah, people say that, but Mm-hmm. I'll say in my pursuit of my hurdles, I wanted to work on my speed. So we jumped in a hundred mm-hmm. working on the speed. So I like, I never let people put me in a box mm-hmm. or say what I am or what I'm not, because in my pursuit of working on my speed as just a hurdler that people say, well, look what I did. I mm-hmm. became at that point, only the second person to win back to backs in the hundred meters with, you know, behind Wyoming, Tyus. And wow, so yes. it's, it's, it's not about what, others believe about you 
is what you believe and what you're willing to work for and how long you're willing to work for it. I always tell people when they say, well, how fast, you know, I have athletes now, they're like, well, how fast do you think I can run? I'm like, let's go outside. And they're like, why do you say go outside, coach? I'm like, well, <laughs> let's look up in the sky. There's no ceiling. So that means there's no limit to your capabilities. It's about, mm -hmm. it's, it's you. It's, right. it's in, it's in your, you know, your hands. And so, mm -hmm. um, that's kind of how I, I live my life. There's no, there's no limits. It's, it's about what I want to do. You know, at, at 50, I'm 54 now, but when I was 53, wow. right before we shut down for the pandemic, I actually was challenged to, uh, do a half marathon. Yes. And and you that, were out of track. You were like, no track. Oh, I wasn't doing it. I was feet up kicking it. Yes. Right. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so this must be like, you know, from couch potato to, to getting back out there. And I, I did it more so because I just wanted to show people that, you know, we can get out here and just a little bit, just do something mm -hmm. every day, you know? And I'm like, that's definitely not my field. Cause it took me a, a minute to figure out that I'm like, you want me to run 13.1 miles? <laughs> oh, you know, and I had asked, I'm like, okay, so at 53, what's a good time to run for my age? And they said, well, if you can run like two 30, I'm like, two hours and 30 minutes on the road. You guys have lost your mind. <laughs> I'm like, that's a long time. I don't plan on being on the road for two hours and 30 minutes, but I, I ended up running like 153. Damn, and uh, wow. so I was excited, but I was mad because I was waiting. They were like, don't go out too fast. You know, you're a sprinter. You're going to go out. Don't go out. So I went out too slow in my opinion. And by the time I realized that, oh shoot, I need to pick it up. The race was over. I was yeah. like, oh man. So I had said that I was going to do another one, but then they shut us down. So I'm like, oh, it's okay. I already checked that off my bucket list. I'm good. And it wasn't even on my bucket list. So. <laughs> wow. That, that's awesome. And you see those things come up and I'm sure you had a sticky, sticky note. I, right? Absolutely. And that's right. Committed. That's right. To be under yep. two hours, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes. I see, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, and Gail now 91 world championships in Tokyo, coincidentally, where yes. the Olympics were. 30 years later um how special was it to get that silver medal and know that you were making tremendous progress and you getting close to prime gail devers yes um you know what that holds a special place in my heart um for for a couple reasons mm -hmm. in 91 if you had watched the the um like world championships or anything if you watch the women's 100 meter hurdles in the states they never showed us they never showed the women's 100 meter hurdle final because we never had an american in the final so wow. there was no reason. Yep. So yep. I went into 91 with a couple goals on my sticky note that I mm. wanted to catch up to Gail. And I wanted to, there were, there were two Eastern Europeans. I was like, I got to break them up. I got to get in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I got to get in there and, and compete. And mm. I ended up running 1263. I think, I think mm. I ran 1263. I came mm -hmm. in second. Mm -hmm. And so it was on TV. They showed us. I broke up the, that, that duel that had been dominating mm -hmm. and I was making progress in catching Gail. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying, okay, I'm not done. I remember after 91, everybody was tired. Everybody went home. I was like, Bobby, I have to come. I still got to compete because I feel like there's more. It's just now starting to come. And I yes. went over to Europe went to one of my favorite cities. I love running in Berlin. I think for the history of it all with, you know, Jesse Owens, just knowing that he was in this stadium and yes. all that he had gone through, you know, I'm big mm. on standing on the shoulders of those who went before me and, right. and wanting to give it my best. Right. Mm -hmm. I know my history. And so uh, um, to be in that stadium, 
it, it meant a lot to me. And I ended up running 1248 and breaking my American record. So then I said, I caught Gail, I passed her, and I got to keep going. So mm. yeah, that wow. silver medal means a lot. Woo, no doubt. And in the Olympics in Barcelona. Now, let me tell you, Gail, like you were in the zone in that <laughs> Olympics. And, uh, and that 100 meter hurdles, that last hurdle, um, and your reaction was really, it really touched me, your reaction, seeing you were like, you, it, it, nothing, it, like it didn't phase you. And then you started clapping for the medalist. But, you know, how deep was that moment? Because you dominated that race, that, yeah. that hurdles, right? And you could have been the first woman, I believe, yeah. right? To win both gold medals yes. in 100 and 100 meter hurdles. Yeah, first first yeah. since uh, Fanny Blanker's queen. So it would have been like 48, 48 years or whatever. Years. But But you know what? I always tell people, I ran the hundred, mm -hmm. and I in, won the hundred mm -hmm. in a very close race, yeah, and yeah. it was a, a personal best for me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have time to practice <laughs> the yeah. hurdles, right. so I was coming into the hurdles with newfound speed, and it was like just attack, 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 attack. And every hurdle, Greg Foster and I had talked about this. Mm -hmm. Every hurdle, UCLA, another UCLA yes. cat, not the yes. basketball player, but the other uh, yeah, hurdle. Yes. <laughs> You got it. So, and now my training partner, you know, so every hurdle was so close. And, and even he said to him, it was inevitable that I was going to fall because I was close. And if you watch the race, I actually hit a couple of hurdles early on because I was so close to, to each hurdle. And I always tell people that last hurdle jumped up and got me, you know? And so when, when I, you know, when I hit the hurdle, my whole goal was stay on my feet, stay on my feet. And I was struggling to stay on my feet and then end up, you know, sliding across the finish line. But every time I step on the track, the one thing I can say is that I gave it my all. And all you can give is a hundred percent and a little oomph that, you know, I always tell people that takes it over. Mm -hmm. And so I'm that person that when I um, go back to my hotel room, room or whatever, I look myself in the mirror. Mm. And I asked myself, did you do everything that you could? And if the answer is yes, I'm successful. Success doesn't mean I have to win the race. Doesn't mean I have to own the company or make the most money. It just means I have to be the best Gail Devers that I can be at that moment. That and on that day, in that time, at that moment, on that track, I did everything I could to get across the finish line. Now, was I a winner? Yes, by my efforts. Mm. I didn't come across the finish line first, but my efforts made me a winner and I'll take that to my grave. And so when I crossed the finish line, got up and kind of figured out what had happened, I also believe in destiny, which tells me that it was not my time. Had I won the hundred and the hurdles, I would have retired. My goals were done. Mm -hmm. wow. But in my, in, in, in not winning. And if you watch what happened was the girl who did win, from Greece, mm -hmm. you know your history, so you know that the Olympic Games started, started in Greece, but they did not have any medals. They didn't have any medals, wow. and so in track and field, and so for her to not only get a medal, but get the gold medal, yeah, in that event. Now we, she didn't have to run. I, I, we, I don't even think she ran ever since that <laughs> that yeah. particular race. But yeah. destiny is what it is. It was not my time, and I understood that. So I have to applaud her. And, you know, it was a great race. Nonetheless, if I could have stayed on my feet, yes, it would have been a great time, but it wasn't meant to be. But in my pursuit of that, I went from there and I got another sticky note out and set a new goal mm -hmm. to, to come back again. So 
in my pursuit of winning gold medals, I guess, in the in the 100 meter hurdles, you can look at the Olympic history book and mm -hmm. you don't see my name for there. Either I'm in the hunt or I'm not there at all. Right. all. And I'm not there at all in the hurdles in any of the years. Either I got injured or whatever. But mm -hmm. in my pursuit of that, I dominated That's right. that, that decade for the mm -hmm. hurdles. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And then I won something that people say I'm not a sprinter. I won something that you said I, I couldn't do because I believe that I could. Mm -hmm. And so I did. And so, you know, destiny is I applaud her and I don't question why it happened. Mm -hmm. I ran 25 plus years. Not a lot of people can say that they've gone to five Olympic games. So I was blessed on that aspect of it, too. And it's just, you know, it's one of those things. I, I did uh, what I did in track and field. But track and field is not who I am. It's what I did. Who mm -hmm. I am is a child of God. I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I'm a friend. Mm -hmm. I'm a daughter. And those are the things that mean more to me than anything else. Yes. Yes, indeed. Because you're around the people that 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 you love and, and they love you, you know, and, and that right. and that and they they help sculpt you to be the person you are today, for sure. Exactly. Uh, wow. With uh, here with Miss Gail Devers, uh, National Track and Field Hall of Famer, three time Olympic gold medalist, last woman to win the 100 meter <laughs> dash, uh, last American woman to win the, uh, the 100 meter dash in the Olympics. And uh, wow. So, Gail, now 1996. How special was it to be on U.S. soil in Atlanta? Because I talked to Dan O'Brien about this and, and for you to excel in Atlanta, you know, um, huh, wow. And, and you live there now. That's what's deep. I too, do. And that's know? the so, funny part. Is that the, re is did, that the reason why you live there no, now? Like, no, like you know, because I, <laughs> I didn't live I didn't live here then. And okay. um, you, you talked about, you know, being on on American soil, you know, mm -hmm for people who don't know in track and field, who thinks it's only once every four years or four-ish years that we compete, mm -hmm. we compete 11 months out of the year. That's right. That's you right. know, and it's like every week, every couple of days you move to a different city, you run. And so, but we were always in Europe. There weren't a lot of meets here in the States when I competed. So for the Olympic games to be on American soil, that's like home field advantage. That's like, oh, no, uh -uh, absolutely not. You're not going to come in and, and take over. It's and not going to happen. And that's what helped you Japan know. be so successful in this Olympics, right. you know. With yeah, you I mean, it, it's that it's that unsung, you know, you don't even have to say it. Mm -hmm. It just it's, it's, it's innate that it's like, OK, this is my territory and you're not going to come run the boards on me. I got this. Mm -hmm. And so um, for it to be on on U.S. soil was was a blessing because it's like you know you go over to europe and you have to acclimate you have to do all this nah, we're right here we're good mm -hmm. you know you just have to get the time difference from california because i was living in california uh -huh. at that time mm -hmm. but um i remember coming in and just wanting to, to you know to do my best in my events representing myself representing my country and the the night before the final of the 100 meters was the night of the bombing yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. And it was it was on television. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I had insomnia at that time. So my TV was always on. So I saw mm -hmm. it constantly. Mm -hmm. And it got to a point I was telling somebody recently that it got to a point where I had to turn the television off yeah. because I knew I had to go out and compete. I knew people got injured, but I was not going to let one person's bad decision. Yes mess up so i thought that me going out there and competing well was that goodwill ambassadorship for my country and to get out there and say that you know what 
we're not going to let something negative influence us or destroy something that's positive because the Olympics is positive. That's, that's right. people from all over the world coming together for a common goal, a common goal. Mm -hmm. And so the victory for that, for me, meant a lot because it was putting something positive on something that negatively had happened. Wow, no, that's deep. And and uh, I mean, and and then you like really just dominating those games and, and cementing yourself as the female tra American track and field athlete. No, overall track and field athlete for sure. And um, and wow, and now now Gail, I know you competed again in Sydney in 2000 and then at Athens. How deep was that for you to keep your longevity? You know, to how to, to how did you do that even with all the ailments you had even earlier? Right. And I know that it would reoccur too as well. So yeah, yeah. So that's that's amazing. It's more a mindset, I think. You know, mm -hmm. um, I always tell people I'm. Uh, I used to say I was 19 until I had kids, and then I'm like, now I'm forever 21. They even open up a store, but um, <laughs> it's 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 a mindset. You know, I'm 54 and I've got young kids, you know, so mm -hmm. I'm like, I got to stay young. I got to stay active. I got to do things. And, and so it's about, you know, what you do. Like I told you, I got to age healthy. I'm not just going to age. I want to yes. age healthy. Yes. And so that's basically, you know, like I said, I was, I was fortunate and blessed to have gone to five Olympic games. I came back my last race. I was 40 years old. Mm. You know, I ran mm. Millworld's game at 40. I was, uh, had already gone and I, I had Carson, my, my oldest daughter, I had already had her came mm. back. She was like seven, eight months old or something like that. Came back and ran. And then I was 40 and pregnant with legacy, my second daughter. And I ran the hurdles. And I remember going to the press conference, you know, and they were like, oh, okay, so you're 40. So you're here to break the master's world record. I was like, excuse me. No, <laughs> you know, I'm not old. I just came, I, I came here because I took a break and came back and I'm here to compete against all the people who are in this race and do my best. And I remember leaving and taking my sticky note when I got back to the hotel and writing that my goal is to run the fastest time in the world. How dare they say that to me, you know? <laughs> and uh, I uh, end up, one, running the race, winning the race. And then Lewis Johnson came to interview me afterwards. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you know, how'd you feel? I said, well, hold up, hold up. We got to correct something. Jay-Z just wrote a song talking about 30s and new 20. I, I got to correct him. That's right. 40s It's about how you feel. He said 30. I'm going to tell him it's 40. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's just been my philosophy. It's, it's about how I feel. Even now, you know, I get out there you know, when I'm balling told to come and help kids at the high school, you know, mentoring with them, trying to teach them, you know, hurdling or jumping. Yeah. And I, uh, they're like, coach, you're going over the hurdle. I'm like, absolutely. Get out the way. You know, so <laughs> it's, right. uh, you know, and I, I probably have on boots, you no, know, because that's what they're like. You always have like, you're going to go over the hurdles with your boots. I'm like, it's not the shoes. It's what's in them. I got this. So um, just having fun, you know, loving life and, and wow. just being appreciative to be able to still be able to move at this age and, and do the things that I want to do. Also being a fan of my sport now that mm -hmm. I'm retired, I could actually yeah. stop and take a breath and watch mm -hmm. and enjoy it and, and wanting it to continue and be a voice to make sure that, you know, our, our, our sport continues to excel and it's there 20, 30, 40 years from now with great competition. I think you're seeing that, like we talked about before with these young athletes that are competing well. I mean, I watch the Olympic games and was, mm -hmm. was mesmerized even before getting to the games with a thing. 
Mm -hmm. thing oh, mode, just oh, waiting to see what she was going to do. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna see how far she's gonna break this record. Wow. And her, <laughs> I mean, the beauty of her. Oh, form, she's beautiful like, to watch. Wow. Yes. I mean, just poetry. Yes. That's now that is poetry in motion. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, yes, watching her compete and then um, just her, 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 the mental side of her that she's so poised for success. Yes. You know, I remember at the trials when they had a delay because of the, the weather, the, mm -hmm. it, because it was so hot. Right, she right. was like, oh, I was ready to run. I'm like, that's my girl. That's what I'm talking about. Doesn't matter. Get out there and compete, you know? Right. And she was ready. And, and then I love the fact, because, you know, she had run the 400 all year and everybody just assumed she was going to run the 400. And I love what she said. She said, well, I got back home and the 800 called me. So I answered the call. And I was like, okay, I like her. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I'm excited to see what these young athletes will do. You know, you got Aria Knight, you got all these young athletes coming up and just, you know, excited to see what their future will hold. Wow. And, 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 and another talented athlete, but she didn't get to compete. Controversy, uh, uh, Ms. Shikari Richardson. She was suspended from the Tokyo Olympics and she's going through, like we were talking about mental health, health earlier, right. with her losing her biological mother, right. which right. caused her to dabble in marijuana. But now, Gail, first question, how would she have done if she was able to run in the Tokyo Games, number one? Would she have been a medalist to break up the Jamaican uh, triumphant, number one? Uh, number two, do you think they need to make a change with the policy, especially marijuana? You know, marijuana is starting to to be out there now. Well, we no one will be able to say what she would have done. You know, that's that's that mm. I always say don't look back. Keep moving forward. You yeah. know, she's had some time to actually, you know, get herself together, which I love that she said she was going to take time for her mm -hmm. mentally to get yes. her where she needs to be. She said, this will never happen again. Mm -hmm. And I always look for lessons, life lessons. And the life lesson that I got from that is, you know, like I tell kids all the time, take a pause, think mm -hmm. about the consequences of your actions before you act. Because if you do half the things you thought about doing, you probably wouldn't do. Wouldn't do it. And I think if she had a do-over, she would find a different mode to you know to to cope with that mm -hmm. but you know like we talked about earlier that's on us as a community to to be there to yes. help you know mm -hmm. so that she has someone to lean on and someone to talk to to help her through those difficult times and then you know she served a 30-day ban and i know a lot of people have been saying well it's not fair but it's not fair but it's a rule and i you're talking to somebody who's a strict rule follower so it is yeah. fair you know, yeah. and if we don't like the rules, then we need to get on the committees to change those rules. That's right. So and if they it's need time to, to be need, changed, mm -hmm. then we need to change them. Mm -hmm. But until they're changed, we have to follow them. And she understood that, too. So, you know, like she said, I knew that that was on the list of what I could not do, but that's the way I chose to cope. So she knew, you mm -hmm. know, and I you talk about 30 days. She's ready to compete now. You know, yeah. you've seen her post and they're going to run at Prefontaine. And so when they compete, everybody's going to be there. So you can't recreate the Olympic Games, but this is going to be a great competition. And, you know, yeah. in the Diamond League, they have meets throughout the rest of the summer. And I think we are going to see, you know, that I, I believe that that time for her 
fared her well, that she had a little bit more time to train and, and rest and, and get her mind right, get her body right, and she'll be ready to compete. And I think she's going to, you know, along with the other um, Americans who did very well at the games, mm -hmm. I think that they're going to have a great showing at this next race and throughout the summer. And, you know, you can never count out the Jamaicans yeah, because they've right. got something to prove. And I, what, what I get from that is that we as fans, Mm -hmm. are going to see a great competition. We're yes. going to see great races from here throughout. Yeah, Shakari, I think Shakari looking at that 100 meter dash, she was saying, okay, I'm ready for them. Ready for the Jamaicans, you know, like, just, yeah. yeah. Well, that's and that's what we'll see that, you know, mm -hmm. hopefully that fueled her to say, hey, hold on, wait a minute. And now, like we've talked about, now instead of being in Tokyo, we're on American soil. Mm -hmm. That's right. So that's right. Yes, let's, let's look for great competition. Allison Felix, I would say a lifer, longevity, infinite yes. excellence, Absolutely. you know, uh, like yourself. And uh, I mean, uh, wow, her winning the bronze medal in the 400 and because really 200 was her thing. And and the goal on that, I think the greatest four by 400 related oh, yeah. team awesome ever. Movie. I mean, a uh, thing, yes. uh, 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 Sydney McLaughlin, Dalila yeah. Muhammad. And yeah. Allison feels what? Oh my God! Yeah. So, but her performance in Olympics, how great was that? It, it was, it was great. You know, I fifth, think like her fifth games too. Her fifth games, you know. So she joined the 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 club of the five timers, and um, you know she 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 did very well. You know, I know people doubted her. You know, wanting to counter out, but um, she's she's a true athlete. You know, yes. and it showed. I think for, you know, you talked about some people benefited, some people that extra time was not good for them. It was great for Allison. It allowed her to really physically and mentally be able to come back and be prepared. You know, she knows how to compete. She just had to train and get herself there, make the team, which she did. You know, mm -hmm. she, you hear mm -hmm. her say herself that it wasn't easy, but she got section it done. And that just shows us recover. what she's about. Yeah, C-section. Yeah. Right. And so that just showed us what she's about and how tough she is. So, you know, big ups to her again. Congratulations to her for what she's done. And now that's made her the most decorated, um, you know, athlete in track and field, which is 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 awesome. And but you Love talked about that relay. That relay was unbelievable. Oh. That was a star studded relay team. Yeah. And dream team. Yeah. That, now that was the dream team. Dream team of 2021. Yes. Yes, indeed. Wow. And the most impressive track and field performance at entire Tokyo games. What was the most impressive to you? Ah, in, in any well, country, I you know, I, any country. Now mm -hmm. I, I talked about uh, Hassan running the, the 15, the five and the 10 K. Cause that, I mean, that's unheard of to me. <laughs> and, I mean, it's like, and she didn't just run it. She like ran all of them very well. Mm -hmm. So I think that was awesome. Um, and there were so many, I can't pick one, you know, you mm -hmm. got the 400 meter hurdles for men and women. So you got Karsten Warholm who broke the world record, mm -hmm. which he had broken it prior to that. You got Sydney who broke it prior to that and breaking it again, mm -hmm. Dalila coming under and breaking it also, uh, yeah. a thing I told you. So it, it was just every day. I think, the energy rolls higher and higher. The caliber of, of, of the performances were higher and higher. And I think that it was one of the best Olympic games I've ever watched or wow. even competed in. Well, wow. and, and it was funny, Rye Benjamin, he brought it like, and he was so distraught. Like he, he had ran a 46 one. Yeah. He got to look at what he did. 45 eight. It's like, yeah. 
Oh That's okay. I'm sure Joanna got him right. Like, boy, you better look at what you just did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know? <laughs> wow. No, so proud of, you know, all of the Americans, proud of our team that we sent over. Mm-hmm. Um, all of them, you know, ran very well. And those who are not pleased at what they thought they did, I think it's a learning experience for them and they'll understand and, and they'll be better for it. You know, mm-hmm. you have to look at everything as a learning experience. If you can learn something from it, it was worthwhile. And what'd you think of the hundred meter hurdles? Like that was a great race, you know, Jasmine that was, Pacho you know, Quinn, you know, yes. like Puerto Rico she has been, if you watch, you know, throughout college and watching her progression, mm-hmm. it was her time, you know, mm-hmm. it was her time and she did an amazing job. And like, I'm excited to watch the season now that the Olympics are over. Now we're getting back into this diamond league and the European season. Yes. And I'm excited to see everybody run. You know, some people may run, some people may not just because, you know, resting after the games yeah. or whatever but if they run i mean everybody everybody stepped up their game they came to the to the games in shape ready to run and ready to perform from all countries which made for a great olympic games wow and harrison i mean she still has the world record though can you have the world know? record yeah, she still. did no yeah. she did very well you know i i think w- one of my pet peeves for for uh, just in uh. general is that everybody put so much importance on you know, oh, did you, did you went to the Olympic Games? You were an Olympian? Did you get a medal? Did you get the gold? Um, to make it to the Olympic Games, first of all, is a big accomplishment. You're talking about out of the whole world, you know, in your country, like in our country, three people. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, in the 100 meter hurdles, we probably could have had six or seven that could have made the team because right. we're just that deep, but you can only send three. Yep. So to make the team is saying something and to win any medal, that's earning your medal. And that means that you were running your tail off. And no matter what color that medal is, mm. it's to be celebrated. And I think in the same caliber as gold, silver, bronze is all the same. You got out there and you worked and you earned what you earned and you should applaud yourself and pat yourself on the back. Right. Don't be too hard. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yep, yep, absolutely. And uh, well, one more segment before you go, Gail, I got a segment that I do with all of my guests. You know, if it was basketball, be fast break. If it was baseball, be hit and run. If it was uh, football, be uh, it'll be no huddle. This is sprint dash that I do with Uh uh, with track and field athletes. So I'm going to like rapid fire questions and uh, you can feel free if you want to elaborate a little bit, you can. But we'll be going like just like (laughs) as fast as how you do 100 meters, you know, Oh boy. I'm old now. It might be a little slower. Okay, let's see. Here we go. So here we go. Here we go. The one childhood friend that you still keep in touch with? Carlene Robinson. Wow. How long have you known Carlene? Uh, Ooh, Carlene. I've known her since we were in elementary school. Wow, that's and deep. now she actually lives here in Georgia too. We didn't know it, so ah, nice, nice, yes, indeed. Now, your favorite Olympic city out of the five cities? What was your favorite city? Oh, that oh the out of the five that I could uh, Atlanta. You could beat it. Oh, Atlanta. Okay, okay, Atlanta. Okay, <laughs> okay. So, what's your favorite city outside of the outside of the U.S. outside of you? Uh, favorite Olympic city or just favorite city? Oh, favorite city. I competed yes, in. You competed in. Competed Berlin. in. Berlin. Oh, Berlin. Anything, okay. any, anywhere in Germany for some reason. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Berlin is, is a lovely, lovely place for sure. Yes, indeed. Now, most bizarre Olympian you've encountered, the most bizarre that has Ooh. like 
you know, maybe as a weird ritual before he or she competes, something like Probably that. me, no. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> Probably me if you ever watch me, they're like, that girl's a little strange. <laughs> I'm going to say me. <laughs> well, I would say with you, unique, especially the nails, you know, the nails. Uh, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> you know, no doubt. Well, so now, which other Olympic sport are you most curious about outside of track and field that you would be like, wow, it'd be interesting if I competed in that sport? Uh, figure skating and, um, oh, if I could swim, I'd say diving, but I would say figure skating. I'm going to say when I'm going Winter Olympics. <laughs> okay, Winter Olympics? Okay, yeah. dig it, dig it. And that's going to be in, in Beijing, I believe, right? Yeah, Beijing yes. coming up. Yeah, yeah. So they had the Summer and Winter Games, you know, interesting <laughs> recently. Uh, so now, a couple of songs on your playlist that you would play while you were training? You know, it could be now or back during your career, during the prime of your career. Um, I, I listen to a lot of gospel music when mm -hmm. I'm competing. Yes. Um, so now it would be um, maybe Yolanda Adams, Marvin Sapp, um, Kirk Franklin with uh, Love, Theor uh, Love Theory. I love that song. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess my theme song would be uh, Marvin Sapp's My Testimony or Never Could Have Made It. Woo, deep, deep. I mean, it's just such talent, you know, absolutely. But now I listen to everything, though. Uh -huh. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, right, right, right. That just might be white secular, people. I walk secular out music, the door, too. That's the last thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I'm yeah. like, I like Little Nas. I like everybody. So yeah. <laughs> Doja Cat, every, everybody. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. You know, and, and that song with SZA, like, it, it kind of is yes. catchy to me. It's catchy to me. I ain't gonna My kids keep, they, they, I may not know who's singing it, but I like it. I'm like, oh, that's my song. They're like, you don't even know what it is. I don't care. I like it. It's right. It has a bounce. <laughs> As a bounce. Yeah. <laughs> well, now the sprinter, the sprinter, past or present, that you would want to compete against in a hundred meters, a uh, hundred meter dash, and or a hundred meter hurdles that you want to compete. If you could go on the time machine and go back and compete, I don't want to compete against nobody. Uh. <laughs> I don't want to compete against anybody. <laughs> I would love to see a relay, though. I don't want to be on it. I want to coach. Okay. I okay. want to see a relay. I would love to see Ooh. Florence. Evelyn, uh -huh. um, um, Wyomia, uh -huh. and Wilma run a four by one against anybody in the in the world. Wow, wow. I would love to see that one. Yes, that, that would be, be an deep. awesome relay. And 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 just to, just to, well, I'm going to ask you this after the segment real quick about about FloJo. But but now, um, oh, the company that you would want to have an endorsement deal with, the company that you haven't worked with. Because oh, you deserve wow. you deserve that recognition even now for what you've oh. done, you know. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, let me think. I don't know. <laughs> Look, I need eye drops because uh, since uh, my thyroid eye disease, and I always have to have camera ready and got to get the red out. Uh -huh. Um, Visine, Lumify, there's Visine. all kinds of Visine. companies. That's it, Visine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Visine is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, because always people always laugh. I'm like, I gotta be camera ready, but I can't unless I have my drops because oh, uh, no. it just don't work like that. <laughs> you know, have your agent contact them. <laughs> I'm telling you, watch, Gail. You're going to tell me like in a month, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I got that endorsement. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I like it. I like yeah. the premonition. That's right. <laughs> now, the sporting event you uh, wish you attended, the sporting event like that you wish you were there to even spectate. Oh, gosh. Uh, I would have loved to, oh, there's too many. I mean, in track and field, I would have loved mm -hmm. to have been there in 1936 to watch. Uh, um jesse owens, owens yes. and in 60 64 and 68 so 68 to watch um uh, the long jump 
Yes, yes. And to watch um, Wyoming win. Yes. Well, in 60, I would have loved to watch Wilma run. Mm -hmm. And just because at that time that was Skeeter, you know, Never. watching what she did. And uh, and then 64, 68 was, was uh, well, Wyoming. Well, yeah, um, mm -hmm. And so I would like to go back and mm -hmm. just watch those. You know, like I said, I, I, I'm proud to stand on on the shoulders of those who went before and just yes. knowing what they went through. You yes. know, we we each generation and it's supposed to be like that. Each generation is easier. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's made easier. But if you go back and think about the history of them even having to take a boat, mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. went on planes, they got on a boat right. to go and compete. Right. What if you're seasick? <laughs> what if you have a fear of what, you know, think about all the stuff that they had to go through to get where they got. And then they get there. They're not wanted because yep. of the color of their skin. Yep. So they had to deal with that kind of stuff. Could they stay in the same places where everybody else could stay? Probably not. You mm -hmm. know, I, I remember sitting 2008, maybe talking to all of them, Milk Campbell, all the, 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 as they want to call the old heads of our, our of our sport from the sixties and fifties mm -hmm. and sixties that were still around right. and just listening to some of their stories and just like wide eyed, like, Oh my goodness. I cannot imagine having to deal with that. And yet, and I, I remember leaving from the, the dining hall, talking to them, telling them, thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you for doing what yes. you do. Thank you for going through what you went through to get here. Mm -hmm. You know, so that I could have the opportunity to get out there. You know, there in in, in for for women, there was a mm -hmm. time when we could not compete because they thought that that was too much. It was too strenuous for us. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and then when we were able to, it was only certain events that you could compete in. So the the thought that they went through all that they went through and and persevered, and they yes, didn't indeed. get paid what they were deserved. Mm -hmm. You know, their lives were totally different than it would be now, where you know, you can just sign a contract. Um, mm -hmm. So they're the unsung heroes of our sport. And I think that I would love to see something happen that those that have gone before that we still take care of them, you know, that yes. they're, I don't care what it is. It should be some endowment or something where they're still taken care of and we utilize them yes. um, for, for things, you know, it's like you retire or you go away and, and in everybody's head, you're gone. Mm -hmm. No, you know, you're supposed to learn, you're supposed to know your history, first of all, and and respect those who came before you for what they did and, and you know, to allow for you to do what you do now. So, right. but well, anyway, I wow. <laughs> no, that, no, that's all right. And Dr. John Carlos, I had the honor to have him on my show. That's too, my buddy. Which, yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, wow. And such a great individual. And, and last but not least, the person dead or alive you would want to have lunch with. Oh, gosh. Hmm. <laughs> it's someone you haven't met. Someone you haven't met either. <laughs> okay, well, I've met all, all those athletes, so <laughs> I'm gonna say Lucille Ball. <laughs> uh, yes, <yeah. laughs> yes I am the I love. I used to want to spend the night with her, uh -oh. and my dad was like, uh, "Why?" He drove us up to Los Angeles and found like this really wow. older lady, and he was like, "That's her." I'm like, "That's not her." <laughs> He was like, I told you the magic of television. And I was like, but I loved her because she was funny. Yes. And and no matter, and I remember watching a lot of I Love Lucy reruns mm, when I was indeed. going through my Graves disease. And that was the one thing wow. that did bring a smile to my face. Wow. And it was even learning. My father was like, 
okay, it's entertainment, but what did you learn from it? And people are like, what did you learn from Lucy? I'm like, you can learn something from her. There was an episode where her lights went out and she had a budget and didn't have any money. You got to learn to budget your money or else you're going to be in the dark. So there's something that you can learn from everything. But I think she was just naturally funny. And the irony of all of this is that Bobby was in the elevator one time and he was in the elevator with Lucille Ball, Carol Burnett, and somebody else. Oh. That I mean, that had to be the best ride ever. Mary know? Tyler Moore, Mary Tyler Moore, maybe. I don't know who that third person is. I cannot, <laughs> but I know it was Carol Burnett and Lou Stillball. And so uh, that would be the person. Just because, how did you find joy and laughter out of everything that was going on? And I know she went through a lot of things in her life too. And I think maybe right. that comedic relief was what kept her going. You know, that's so. Right. It'd be interesting to have that conversation with her. <laughs> wow, wow, that's deep. And and Gail, one more question before I let you go. Flojo, there's going to be a biopic that Tiffany Haddish is going to play. Flojo, right. I I think she's going to nail it, person, because she can act. Like comedians can act for sure, yeah. you know. <laughs> and um, but but the training regimen. How would you advise her to get ready for that role? And and how would you advise her to be at that level, at that peak condition? Yeah. Well, you know, Florence was tough. You know, we trained together and Florence was good mm -hmm. as far as like when we had to run intervals, it's like, oh, you do not want to get behind her because she'll <laughs> break you off. Uh, but you just go with her. So I would just tell Tiffany, you know, get that mindset that, you know, I got this. And and it's 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 a it's a confidence, not a cockiness mm -hmm. of, of going in that knowing that you've trained hard. And so that you can go out there and perform well. And she's going to give the performance of her life and probably win an award for it. So it's going to be great to see. I can't wait to watch it. And and if Tiffany Haddish, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, have Gail Divas train you, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah come hang out with me that's in Atlanta. Right. We're going to have some fun, girl. That's right. That's right. Credibility right there, Miss Gail Divas, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> get out the blocks, though. We're going to teach you to get out the blocks. Make it look real, real, real. <laughs> well, but Miss Miss Divas, I appreciate your time on where they at the 44th episode, how you've lived, how you've persevered, how you've inspired, how you've been such a class act. Um, it, it's, it's really, it makes you illuminate as one of our all-time great athletes. And thank you so much for being on where they at. No, well, thank you for having me. I feel honored to be here. And so the, the, the question would be where they at? Here I am. I'm not doing anything. I'm just being Gail. Thank you all for listening to the 44th edition of where they at with the one and only Miss Gail Devers three-time Olympic gold medalist, the last American woman to win Olympic gold in the 100-meter dash uh, back 25 years ago, 1996 in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, national track and field Hall of Famer, uh, a survivor for sure, you know, with all of the um, obstacles she dealt with with her health and, and having Graves disease and having thyroid issues and problems and everything like that. I mean, just for her to to bounce back and be an elite athlete and to be one of the greatest track and field athletes ever is a testament to her will, her faith and her perseverance for sure. So it's such an honor to have uh, Gail Devers on where they at. And if you want to hear other episodes, the 43 other editions of where they're at make sure to go to spotify apple Podcasts, amazon Podcasts, google Podcasts, wherever you hear your podcast iHeartRadio, stitcher make sure to check those episodes out we're hall of fame caliber athletes as well as a few iconic creative artists too and 
go on catropolis.net, which is C-A-S-T-R-O-P-O-L-I-S.net, catropolis.net, which is Catropolis Radio Network. They stream my podcast as well. And uh, the podcast plays every Monday night at 8 p.m. on their website. So make sure to check out Catropolis Radio Network. And if you love the music that you hear, it's from my album, Eclectic Excursions. And you can hear that album on, on Spotify, on Apple Music, on YouTube music, you know, et cetera. I mean, everywhere, title, uh, everywhere you can hear um, Eclectic Excursions. So you could go on my website, N-A-B-A-T-E-I-S-L-E-S.com. That's nabateals.com. But go on Bandcamp to check out my page, NSI Universal on Bandcamp. You can go in there to support the music. So thank you all once again for listening to Where They At. My name is Nabate Owls, and make sure to treat each other with kindness and respect and be safe, everybody. Be healthy and God bless. Take care. Bye-bye.